Xeon Gold? That's really the name of this thing? It's Xeon Pro Gold. Yeah, Extreme. <laughs> Special Edition. Wow. I mean, if they're releasing Skylake AP, I don't care what they call it, but that's really a stupid name. 18 cores. Xeon Gold. Are they going to make a Gold Mac Pro? That would be amazing. Ugh. There could even be an addition that's solid gold. <laughs> <laughs> John, it, if the next Mac Pro is only available in rose gold, at, like actual rose gold, not like pink aluminum, but actual rose gold, that would probably raise the price by $15,000. Would you buy that Mac Pro? Nope. Can't swing it. What if it had a gaming video card in it? <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> Still no? That's cold, Marco. No $15,000 computers. Sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, at the rate that you replace them, that actually isn't that ridiculous. Like, <laughs> how many cars have you had during the time you've had this Mac Pro? I know. Well, I get a lot more value out of the cars. All right. So uh, we should start with follow-up, as we always do. Uh, Tyler Locke, Locke, Locke has uh, some APFS boot experiments that he has performed. Would you like to tell us about that, Mr. File Systems? He was the person who last week uh, tweeted about booting a Mac off of APFS, and we talked about it in follow-up. And one of the points uh, that I made during that segment was that he had posted a screenshot of the Git info window in the Finder of the volume that he booted from, and it said APFS case insensitive. And what I thought that meant was that uh, the APFS on his volume that he booted off was case insensitive, and therefore... All the weird problems that we discussed about trying to run Mac OS and its applications on case-sensitive file systems wouldn't apply. I should have looked a little bit farther down his tweet timeline because apparently he subsequently tweeted that Finder and other utilities are confused about whether the volume is case-insensitive or not. Rest assured, it is case-sensitive. So it's kind of weird that the get info window says case-insensitive, but he's telling me, no, no, this APS volume is case-sensitive. So again, he's doing weird stuff on an unreleased, you know, beta everything. So still doesn't tell us what the final incarnation of this is going to be, whether it's in a point release of Sierra or whether it's in the next major version of macOS. But that's super weird that the finder thinks it's case insensitive, but knows that it's APFS, um, but that the actual volume is case sensitive. So, oh, well. Woo. Riveting. It is. It's because this is this will be an important. Even though this seems esoteric, as the uh, the follow up we had a couple uh, last week or whatever, but your programs won't work if it's case sensitive, like or they won't work for some period of time till the developers update them. It will make you sad. So, we better hope they sort this out. Fair enough. Uh, and then we have a little bit of talk about uh, the various cesspools in Silicon Valley. Is that redundant? Anyway. Um, Tesla apparently is having some problems with harassment. Surprise, surprise. Uh, there's an article in The Guardian, which I haven't had the chance to read, but I intend to read tomorrow. Uh, female engineer sues Tesla describing a culture of, quote, pervasive harassment, quote. You don't say a technology and car company. That's surprising. Yeah, I put that in there just because it, not so much about the specific story, which this is actually interesting. And in it's, it's a current employee suing the company. So that's, you know, another twist in this. But just to reinforce the idea that we uh, touched on last week about Uber, that although Uber is, is surely an extremely egregious example, that this problem is not isolated to a single company, to a single person, to a single bad nope. apple. I think it's not even isolated to a single industry. Uh, although, you know, in nope. the circles we travel and we tend to see tech things, it is everywhere. And when one of these stories comes up, what it does is it makes the other stories come to the surface, you know, because it's, it's you know... Uh, a media trend or people feel more emboldened to come forward or, or people want to report on it more 
and they come in cycles. But anyway, it's everywhere. And if you want to see another example, there you go. Yep. And then uh, we have an entry in the, in the uh, show notes to Uber or not to Uber. And I presume that this is because a handful of listeners, uh, very, very astute listeners, uh, called out the fact that one of us, it very well may have been me, um, had talked about with regard to WWDC uh, flying into like San Francisco rather than uh, San Jose. And, you know, maybe we could just catch an Uber to get down to San Jose after flying into San Francisco. And, and you know, a few people had said, Hey, that seems kind of disingenuous after you spent you know a, a fair bit of time complaining and and, and and you know railing against Uber to then immediately say, oh yeah, I'll totally take an Uber after that. So uh, it's actually me. I, I'm pretty sure it was me that said that. Yeah, it was Marco, and he used it as a verb. He said like Uber up to Uber down to San Jose. Yeah, and the reason why is because when we recorded last week, we didn't have time for the Uber topic during the main show, so we did it in the after show. During the edit, I decided it was too important to have as an after show topic, so I moved it forward in the show uh, and and kind of promoted it like in the edit to a regular main core show topic, so I thought it was important enough. Then, you know, I probably wouldn't have said that after having that discussion, and I just kind of said it without even thinking about it, you know, like at the time. As soon as I said it, I regretted saying it, uh, and because I, I, that is exactly the kind of thing that I'm usually conscious of, and it's the kind of thing where, like, yeah, I kind of don't want to take Uber anymore after all how horrible they are. Um, so anyway, I, I personally have since deleted Uber off my phone. Uh, there were plenty of previous reasons to do it, but this is the big one to do it, <laughs> to do it like now. <laughs> um, and I figure, you know, I don't actually use it that often because in my in my home city, I don't need it. Um, but when I'm traveling, I would use it often, but I think I'm going to install Lyft now, uh, and try that instead because yeah, it's, it's not worth supporting that if we don't have to. Yep. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, the, uh, some people who tweeted at us about this point out, like the Kleenex situation where because Uber was first and is so famous and so prominent that, you know, to Uber it is, is like, even though you are saying the word Uber, which is the name of a company, it's just a generic term for a thing that makes a car come and get you because you tap stuff on your phone, right? <laughs> yeah. And so you could Uber from one place to the other with Lyft or whatever. But anyway, uh, either way, the, the larger question is, given all of this stuff, uh, are we going to continue to use Uber? And, you know, I'm all, I think all of us in, our, in the places where we actually live never have a need for a service like Uber at all. So mm -hmm. it's not really relevant. It's only really relevant when we're traveling. And there have been a lot of people deleting Uber off their phone and, uh, or otherwise vowing to never use it. One of the interesting things I read about um, the people who drive for Uber is that very often the drivers are working for multiple ones of these companies at the same time. Yeah. So if you call for a Lyft or you call for an Uber, it could be the same person answering. They just change what app is up on their phone, uh, <laughs> which is interesting. So it's not as if the person, the car, the person you get is actually dependent on the company. Uh, and, Lyft, like every other company, I'm sure has its own fair share of problems and, you know, or as people putting on the chat room, problems dealing with down to the application itself, you know, always putting location uh, on. Oh, no, this is the opposite. They're complaining that Uber always has location on. Anyway, um, I recall reading lots of scary things about Lyft as well, and that very often they were presented as the better alternative to Uber merely because Uber is so incredibly terrible that the bar is low. Um, in some respects, it's a little bit like airlines that we've talked about before, where we all know uh, angry travelers. Maybe we have been this angry traveler who has a bad experience with an airline, 
and vows to never fly in them again. And if you travel <laughs> at all frequently, you will eventually have that same experience with every airline, and then you will literally be unable to fly. <laughs> because that, because all airlines do something that is enough to anger people that say, that's it, I'm never flying Delta again. And they stick to it and they never fly Delta again. If you If you do that for five years of constant traveling, you will be out of airlines. And I wonder... If ride-sharing services, especially ones subsidized by VC money that are basically trying to put taxi companies out of business so they can, you know, uh, dance on their their grave and then raise their prices, like, I wonder if there are any good ride-sharing companies. And it's not as if taxi services are all that great either. Like Every every one of these things seems to have some kind of problem. So, you know, I, I'm so certainly, what I've heard, I heard somebody say recently was that I'll still use Uber, but I'll hate myself every time I do it. I don't know if that's the solution. Is the solution deleting Uber? What if you use Lyft and you find out all sorts of horrible things about Lyft? Eventually, can you not use any rideshare services? Um, It's hard to know what to do in these type of situations. I think it is very similar to an airline type situation. But uh, when there are alternatives, obviously, if you have any kind of choice at all, uh, and you think really do think Uber is the worst of the worst, like don't pick them. Pick another company, right? Um, And I guess you just. Keep doing that until you're out of ride-sharing company or, you know, ride-hiring companies. What are they called? It's not ride-sharing. What do you call a thing like Uber? Uh, I don't know, private taxis, uh, but it's not a car service. I don't know. I, whatever it is. <laughs> but, like, like you know, usually this argument of, like, well, they're all probably terrible. And we might we just might not know how terrible the other ones are because they're, like, less in the public eye. Or we do know, but it was, like, two news cycles ago. Right. And, <laughs> so like, and like I've talked about this previously with like, you know, how I buy things from Amazon, even though I know that in many ways, Amazon as a retail company is, is kind of horrible. Uh, but I've worked in other retail companies before just enough to know that they're all pretty horrible. And retail is just a horrible business. And so, you know, like the, the smaller ones, like, what am I going to do? Like, oh, I'm not going to buy this thing at Amazon. I'm going to buy it at Walmart. Uh, no <laughs> and like you know where no. else am i gonna like maybe i'll go to some you go to target well they're probably horrible in some other way too like because retail is a horrible business and all the incentives kind of force everyone in it to be pretty horrible or to go out of business um and so i decided like it's worth it to me to shop at amazon because it's just so much better than everything else and and the, their offenses aren't bad enough to to offend me enough to overcome you know the difference between them and anybody else uh, in in morality versus the incredible convenience that they offer. With Uber, though, I, I think it's a little bit of a different situation because you know, first of all, Uber in the grand scheme of things is pretty young, and so it's hard for anybody to to look at what Uber gives them in their life and say, "I can't, I can't be without that." Because like, well, you were without that like what five years ago? Like it wasn't it wasn't that long ago. Like chances are, five years ago, you weren't using anything like that. And you still lived. You still got around. You still found a way to make that work. How did you do that, right? Like, could you just go back to that? How how bad would it really be? Uh, you know, e- even if there's no other ride hailing companies like Lyft or like, even if you can't get any of the other ones in your area, if, if Uber's the only one that serves your area, how bad would it be not to use them? And in some cases, it actually is really bad. Like in some cases, if your alternative is like, well, I can get an Uber in ten minutes. Or because of where I am, like if you're like you know in the in like nowhere Brooklyn and no cab will pick you up out there. Believe me, I've been there. Uh, this was before I used Uber, <laughs> and you have to wait like literally, you have to wait an hour and a half from midnight to one thirty a.m. on a pier in Brooklyn because <laughs> there's no cabs around. You had to call a car service, and that's the soonest they can come get you. In that kind of case, okay, if Uber's really the only thing that will serve you, 
I can't really fault you for using it. However, most of the time for most people, if Uber serves you at all, other options probably do too. Whether it's your regular taxi service or other car hailing services or mass transit or other like, you know, private, you know, car services, stuff like that. Like chances are, if you use Uber at all, you probably have other options. And they might be a little bit less convenient. You might have to wait one or two extra minutes for a ride, or you might have to pay a dollar more. But you have to decide for yourself if that's worth you know, the, 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 the moral savings or not. And for me, I think it's worth it. Yeah, there was, what was that other one I heard about called Fasten? Like Fasten Your Seatbelts? I think that's another one that's, uh, at the very least, in the, the Pacific Northwest, I heard a bunch of people talking about. So it's not just Uber and Lyft. There are probably other options. Maybe not all of them are nationwide, so... I guess check the app store and ask around to see what the other options are in your area. You too can live an Uber-free lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, and, and hopefully though, and I mean it's easy for the three of us to say because we're white dudes. But you know, I've understood that in some ways it can be better if you're you know like a minority or if you're a woman that maybe maybe it's it's better for some reason to be to call an Uber or perhaps a Lyft. Well, maybe not an Uber. There's a lot, been a lot of horror stories about women getting picked up by Ubers. Okay, well. maybe women was a poor example, but you know maybe if if you're a person of color or something like that, um, you know maybe a, a taxi cab would would not take your fare where an Uber or perhaps a Lyft would. You know. A, it's. I guess what I'm driving at is it's all nuanced, right? Um, every it it's just a balancing act, and and you do what works best for you. But uh, I plan to before I go to San Jose, which I I, I think I'm going to be doing. Uh, I plan to look into Lyft and understand if there's any differences in procedure or like you know tipping paradigms or anything like that. Um, I plan to try to understand what that is uh, before I go, so this way I can use Lyft rather than Uber. And I should mention that. Um, Friend of the show, uh, Gene McDonald, who uh, in the past has run uh, or, or been deeply involved with App—I guess she is still deeply involved with App Camp for Girls, uh, which is an organization that's near and dear to all of our hearts. Anyway, she uh, just for fun decided to drive. I thought, and, and I'm pretty sure I have this right, for both Uber and Lyft, and then ended up not doing it for Uber anymore because she had some really bad experiences. And I, I don't have her tweets handy where she talked about this, unfortunately. Um, but you can look at. Um, you can look at her timeline or, or just ask her about it, and uh, she'll tell you uh, that, that she drives for Lyft from time to time because she's just felt better about it. I, I wish I could remind, remember what was better, but she seemed to think that, that Lyft was a better experience for drivers and probably for riders, too. The pink mustaches, right? <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing, too. Like, it's kind of hard to be worse than Uber. Like, literally everything they do is horrible, with the exception that they are kind of everywhere now. But, like, the company is horrible. The people at the top leading the company are horrible. The app is horrible. In so, Like, the app itself is its own incredible case study of horrendous, abusive, fraudulent app design. Like, it's it does so many creepy, immoral things that that honestly should be or might even are <laughs> might might be prohibited on iOS. Uh it's it's just a terrible app in front of a terrible service run by some really horrible people. In again like in most cases in most of the time if you're deciding between big crappy companies like airlines or retail stores I think the differences are usually smaller <laughs> between them but in this case like my god is uber horrible like it would be really impressive for any other company in this business to be as horrible as they are well that's what the competition is for so here's one article from Galopnik <laughs> saying saying uber is quietly terrible for women and black people study says so there's an, an article on that so so much for uber being better for minorities or women 
Um, and then another article saying, uh, new business model, same racist cab drivers that just talks about both Uber and Lyft making it harder for people with black sounding names to get rides. So like, as with so many of these things, we're trying to emphasize, it's not, it's not a problem with a particular company or a particular domain. It's a problem. With, it's, it's a cultural societal problem because all these companies are made up of, of people who come from this culture and this society. Granted, very often they are the worst people, but you know, like the CEO of Uber who was caught on video arguing with one of his drivers, which is just boggles my mind. I mean, maybe he was <laughs> drunk. You don't have the self-awareness to understand that. I don't even, I don't even know if you can't, if you can't be, if you are the CEO of a company and you can't manage to be respectful and magnanimous for five minutes to one of your employees who's angry, <laughs> I, I, it boggles my mind that you can be this bad at everything having to do with you. Anyway, um, yeah, so if you, uh, you know, if you want peace, fight for justice, as they say, uh, if you want to solve the problem, you really have to solve it at the root. You're not going to solve it by, uh, scolding uh spoiled tech ceos but uh if you can at all if you can at all avoid uh giving money to what really seems to be the worst of the very worst of a business that is already in in a slightly uh, precarious situation in terms of you know all the articles going around about the the fact that uber is not profitable and is basically uh, being funded by venture capital to put taxi companies out of business. And if they ever succeeded in that, they would just raise their prices. And by the way, they exploit their workers. And that's that's half of what these uh, the argument with the CEO was about. is saying, I used to get paid X amount, and now I get paid so much less. And the Uber CEO saying he, he's just waiting to replace all these drivers with self-driving cars anyway. And their self-driving cars running through red lights, and then Uber lying about it. Oh, it's a mess. So bottom line is, stay in your house and never go anywhere. <laughs> Wow. That, that is definitely the John Syracuse answer to this problem. Yeah, you wish um, that was the answer. Solves a lot of problems, doesn't it? It solves your problems. Yeah. I don't think I've ever actually taken an Uber on, on my on my account. My wife has an account that we used it when I was in San Francisco. And I got to tell you, it was convenient. I mean, my experience, my personal experience with Uber has really been very good, truth be told. I, I've never had a bad experience, and it's always gone pretty well for me. But... Like I said earlier, you know, I, I I'm not comfortable with with the way the company as a whole, and certainly the CEO, seems to do business. And that doesn't mean that there that there's nothing but mean, terrible people at Uber. But certainly, the people that are running the show seem to be pretty consistently mean and terrible. And so, because of that, I intend to, like I said, try out Lyft next time I'm out there. Yeah, and that, that's the that's the way. Like every time I've ever been in an Uber or or even a taxi for that matter, like. The people who are actually driving, like the leaf nodes of the org chart, I've had good experiences. Now, obviously, that's not universal. And again, all the articles we just listed about them refusing to pick up people with black-sounding names and and picking up women and driving them around longer than they should be driving them and hitting on them and doing all sorts of terrible things. Like, obviously, that happens. But it's kind of like when when you get mad at Delta and vow that you'll never fly with them again. Does that mean every employee of Delta is an evil person? Certainly not. Um and so it's it's a complicated thing where you're like you're you're trying to punish the company and by withholding your business, but what about the people who work for the company? Oh, they can just quit and work for a better airline. Can they? What if they work in Atlanta and it's Delta's hub? I don't know. It's the the whole uh, the effectiveness and the sort of uh, ethics of boycotts have always been complicated when it's not like a black and white kind of uh you know pervasive issue like uh you know segregation or you know the bus boycott and stuff like that this is slightly more nuanced but uh 
I think if there's something you can do that's straightforward, like Margaret has said, just, you know, call a cab, use a different company. It's so easy to do. You should just do it. We are sponsored this week by Squarespace. Make your next move with a unique website and domain from Squarespace. Look, it's the new year. We're pretty far into it now. You probably have some projects that you want to get going this year. And if you if you have a project to do, it probably needs a website. But I bet the website itself probably isn't the project. You probably have something else, whether the website is for a blog or a gallery or a new hobby or a new storefront. Those things all need websites. But the thing is, if you spend all your time working on your website itself, if you have to be installing a CMS, managing the configuration of it, custom designing the whole thing for days and weeks on end, and or hiring someone to help you with all that stuff, you're not going to have any time to actually work on what you want to work on. Squarespace solves this problem because Squarespace takes the problem of making a beautiful website and makes it incredibly easy, and they support it really well, and they host it all for you. And so you don't have to deal with pretty much any of like the, the muck of trying to run your own website. There's so much complexity that you don't have to do. And doing things on Squarespace is so incredibly easy and fast. Go start a free trial site there. Next time you need to make a website for anything, whether it's for you or for somebody else, go spend a half hour making it at Squarespace because they give you a free trial, no credit card required. Spend a half hour, see how far you get, see how easy it is. I bet you're going to be so impressed after that that you're going to just finish it up in probably another 15, 20 minutes. It's really fast, I'm telling you. And then you're done. And if the site's for you, you can move on to do whatever it is you made the site for. If the site's for somebody else, if they have any problems with it, Squarespace supports it. So you don't have to. So you're out of the loop. Either way, you win because you aren't dealing with a website anymore. Squarespace makes it so easy to make such a great-looking website that you don't have to worry about it yourself. Make your next move at Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com, and when you sign up, enter offer code ATP to get 10% off. Once again, start your free trial site at squarespace.com, and use code ATP to get 10% off your first purchase. Thanks a lot to Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. So, Marco, you had a big day today. As we record on Wednesday, as per usual, uh, Overcast ads are available for purchase from anyone that has an Overcast account, and that's exciting. And in what is what surprised me, but really shouldn't have surprised me, you have a really neat little table here that's that's presumably all integrated with your ad backend that shows mm-hmm. availability and prices and some analytics, sort of, kind of, some estimated analytics, and uh, it's all much more mature than I would have expected. The way you painted it uh, when we've talked both on the show and privately, I don't know. I just got this impression that this was a little bit. I don't know, grab ass. But as it turns out, this is this is legit. This is the real deal. And you've clearly put a whole lot of work well, th- in this it. This is grab ass plus CSS. <laughs> Touche, sir. But anyway, but this is super exciting. And you've already had a few categories sell out. So uh, how, how's things going? I mean, it certainly looks from the outside like it's going really well. I mean, so far, it's going great. Like, and you know, this is not an indication of how it's going to be going long term, because no one, including me and the people buying the ads, has any idea like what is a podcast ad worth? Because mo- you know there there are some of the some of these ads are for websites or apps, but most of them by 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 far most of them are for podcasts. And so I really and and that's I by the way I love that that ratio. Like I do want the ability to advertise for for both types of things, but I also would prefer if most of the ads were podcast ads. And I actually considered. Having having it actually be two separate inventory types, 
So it would actually sell separate slots, possibly at different prices. Like maybe podcast, podcast ads would be cheaper than website ads. Um, and I just, that was too much complexity. So I just didn't build that out. And I might do it later, but probably not. You know, basically, it's kind of cool that in a podcast app, I can now have ads for other podcasts because it makes it kind of not feel like an ad anymore. And I've like, this is one of the reasons why I added the option for paying subscribers who normally just automatically wouldn't see any ads. I added a, a, a setting in, uh, in settings for them, a checkbox for them to turn the ads on. You know, for everyone else, it just is on and they can't turn it off. But for paying people, one of the benefits normally that you're paying for is not to see ads, but these ads are kind of nice. It, like it turned out really well, and there and so far there are actually there are like podcasts and a good number of them and good quality ones buying the ads. I mean, I, I'm literally only about you know four hours or some or so into uh, the ad sales, so it's it's very hard for me to really know what this is going to be like long term. But in the short term, it's really easy. Um, it's really nice. It's just really nice. Like so, I, I built the system. It's a pretty straightforward, like basic you know, database thing with uh, basic tracking in the app of views, taps, and subscriptions. The payment is all through Stripe because Stripe is amazing. (laughs) I love Stripe so much. What did we do before Stripe? Actually, I'll tell you what we did before Stripe. PayPal. And it was a dark time. Oh my, (laughs) was it a dark time. I'm going to tell you about dark times. Before PayPal, we had banks of modems that would would dial the credit card companies and transfer information using archaic protocols from our Linux servers. Phone lines, actual phone lines. That's how we did credit card processing. Was that actually worse than PayPal? I don't know. Yes, it was worse. (laughs) Have you ever tried to do subscriptions in PayPal? Phone lines and modems are among the least friendly things you ever want to be wrangling at a data center that is not in the same building as you. Have you ever used PayPal? I have. I mean, PayPal will eventually freeze your account and take all your money. But the, the the phone line situation made it so hard to even get money in the first place. Yeah. Well, anyway, so this is all built using some, you know, nice, easy stuff uh, with Stripe as the payment gateway. I even accept Apple Pay, which is kind of cool because <laughs> they make it really easy. So I, I literally like, you know, you put in a few HTML divs and you enable this thing on your site and then you have Apple Pay. So you can go to my site and buy an ad with your fingerprint in like three seconds. It's kind of awesome. <laughs> uh, it's incredibly satisfying. And so, yeah, that's that's what I've been working on the last uh, week or so is just building this system out. And uh, there's still a lot I have to do. Like, basically, tomorrow I have to build a system to notify people when categories become available that are sold out. That's something I kind of added last minute tonight because a bunch of things sold out. And I immediately got a bunch of emails from people saying, hey, I, I got here too late. My category sold out. Can you put me up for the next one? And I don't, I don't really want to get in the business of like having to maintain a thousand different relationships with people and emailing them. And then what if it sells beforehand? Then like they're out of luck and I email them. So I'm just going to build a very simple like notify me thing. Uh, I, I already built the system to record your intention to be notified. I just haven't actually made the notifications yet because now I have 30 days to do that because all these ads have 30 day intervals. <laughs> that is so, the most Marco thing. So, the most yeah. Marco comment I've ever heard. Oh, yep. well, I don't have to worry about that for a month. Yeah. It's oh, similarly, like I want the ad to email the person who bought it when it expires to tell them your ad has expired. Click here if you want to buy another one. And I haven't built that yet either because I have 30 days to build that too. So, uh, but yeah, so for the most part, though, the system is pretty much like it's, you know, three quarters of the way done. Like all the core stuff is there, except in the payments, uh, you know, my my admin administrator interface to approve or reject and refund them. 
uh, all sorts of you know payment handling things that were actually surprisingly easy because Stripe is so good. Um, I mean, geez, like Stripe kind of embarrasses everything else I do. Like in like <laughs> every other part of this was more complicated and took more work and more fiddling than the entire payment processing. <laughs> Just kind of amazing. You would think that would have been the worst because that's arguably the most important since it involves money, but no, apparently not. Yeah. So I have some questions. So you had made mention that you would, this this took you like a week. So last I had heard, you had demo ads in the app. You know, obviously I'm on the beta, so I'm seeing these like, you know, canned ads that, well, I guess they weren't entirely demo. They were kind of like first run ads. They were real ads. I had just inputted them manually into the database. Right. Because there was no interface for people to buy them. Mm-hmm. And so that was running for a little bit. And then how long did it take you to do this whole backend? You said about a week? Yeah, about a week. Well, because like, like I already had the system in you know between the app and the sync service. I already had the system to serve the ads to the app, have the app show them, record their stats, and then transmit the stats back on the next sync. Uh, and so that, and then, so I had like every, I had basically the whole back end of like sh- serving and tracking the ads. Mm-hmm. So all I had to do was the creation, editing, and buying of the ads. And that's not a small amount of work, but in the grand scheme of things, it's only about half of it. So when one goes to buy an ad, you, you select, you know, a price. And the first thing you're presented with is choose an ad type, and you can either search for a podcast or you can provide a URL. What happens after that? Like, am I would I be providing art or a blurb or what? 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 What is customizable here? Try it. You don't have to pay till the very end. Uh, so I'm not going to. I'm not going to like send you an invoice. It's <laughs> fair enough. You will know when you're paying. <laughs> <It's> not... <laughs> <laughs> Works for me. I got a little scared. I don't want to mess with it. All right. So I have a title description. Uh, you got to support arrow keys and return in your autocompletes. Come on. Oh, my big search, my, the podcast search box? Yeah, that's a big custom thing. Yeah, if I hit down arrow to select and hit return, it's like, nope. Oh, I haven't looked at that code since 2014. It, it might yeah. support it easily. I'm not sure. It, I'm using this this pure framework, which probably doesn't even exist anymore. I don't know. It, like, it was the smallest like CSS-type framework I could find in 2014, uh, so I, I put it in. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. It does not. Oh, this is very slick. Okay, so I've put in, this is the difference between John and I. John is advertising for a podcast, presumably one that has other people on it. Me, I put in my own URL. But anyway, oh, yeah. Mark.org was a so, frequent test URL. Don't worry. <laughs> so, so I have a title, description, a URL, an optional image. And then uh, what I really like is you have a little preview right then and there uh, that shows you approximately what it'll look like. And then, like you said, ready when you're ready, either Apple Pay or Pay with Card. Super cool. I really like this. And so... So basically, the idea is you are either advertising for a podcast or anything that can relate to the web, anything that has a URL. Yeah. So you know, apps, um, websites. You know, any yeah, any URL, any any website. That's pretty cool. And and so the initial take rate seems pretty good, from what I can tell. I mean, you're sold out in a few th- few different things. Um, I there's nothing that has no purchases. Nope. That slot's available. Oh, I'm sorry, I misread. Yeah, so health has no purchases, <laughs> but all, but there are other categories that have all the other categories have at least one. Ah, uh, fair enough. Well, so you obviously massively underpriced this stuff. I actually raised the prices uh, about an hour ago uh, because they sold too fast, and I noticed that. I know, but like it's it's too late. But anyway, live and learn. There'll be another th- another thirty days. I did kind of want this to be a quick sale because one of the big uh, challenges that I that, that I went into this with is. 
all those categories that say not enough data yet because I just haven't had test ads in those categories. Uh, and so I really need to know like what categories even get good traffic. And then the pricing is kind of a guess. Like, you know, business sold out really quickly and I had it in the in the low price category because I, I didn't think it was as high traffic as the other ones in Overcast. Um, but now I'll find out if that's true or not. And if it is true, I'm going to move it up to the little, to the dark gray section between all and the others. Uh, that's like the, the mid-price tier. Um, and then so that's why you should have done an auction system because the market will decide what's valuable because it's not just the traffic. It's like how valuable are the people who listen to business podcasts? Maybe they all have lots of money and buy expensive stuff all the time. So they're more valuable to advertise to. Maybe. I mean, like, you know, I can adjust the prices, obviously, individually if I need to. Um, but ultimately, I would rather have the inventory sell out more often than to extract every possible last dollar out of the highest bidder because I want there to be a lot of ads in the system because that way people see a nice variety in their apps and, and, and it kind of gives more people a chance to advertise in the app. Uh, so that I would prefer sold out inventory to necessarily the, the absolute highest price. Again, I have no idea how hard it's going to be to sell these ads in you know six months, a year, I have no idea. It could be really easy. This could require very little effort on my part. Or I might have to like actually start like, you know, keeping this email list and like quote reaching out to people and reaching all over <laughs> them to get them to buy an ad. Like I don't know. Like it, it it's by then you'll be on to the next business model anyway, so it'll be fine. That's true. It's gonna be hard to beat this. Like if, if this keeps going, the the you know, anywhere near what it is now, first of all, I've made today uh enough for something like eight months of the Google ads. Wow, that's awesome. And I don't know if I'm going to make this every month, but it it certainly shows like this was probably the right move. And if 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 I even get, you know, a quarter of this, I'm I'm happy with that. Yeah. I, I feel like it's going to go up. I feel like next month is going to be higher because you have to raise these prices. You just have to. And then even if it slowly tapers off over the course of a few years, the only thing that will make you stop it, which is uh, which is a thing that may happen, but the only thing that will make you stop it is if you find it too annoying. Like that's that is the that is the thing that's going to gate this. I feel like, yeah. I mean, that's that's certainly the the main limiting factor is like how much of my time will take. But the good thing is, this is a really easy thing to have someone else help with. Yeah, that's very true. But right now, like I'm doing it myself right now because I don't want to immediately outsource something like this because I want to know first of all how it's doing, and the only way to do that is to really kind of run it myself. So I I want to know how it works for everybody all right up front i want to know what all the needs are how you know what the what the pain points are so i can fix them and then i need to know like is this even the kind of thing i need to outsource to someone else or is it so little work that i can just do it myself you know if it's sending 50 emails on one day a month that's that's a decent amount of work but i could probably do that myself you know so you know we'll, we'll see we'll see what it actually ends up being again it's way too early to tell but the very early indication suggests that it's pretty good this is super awesome now so you're doing all the approving by hand using mm -hmm. your little admin interface yep have you had to deny anyone as yet that wasn't clearly just spamming you for the sake of being a jerk no i mean one of the things is you have to pay to even submit it like in, oh right yeah sure. like in in like the in crud web app terms it literally doesn't even save the database record until it has a payment <laughs> <laughs> the gotcha, payments okay. all like in you know in like the temporary session post variables until you actually until it's paid so that so that basically makes it unspammable from like a pure spam perspective uh it puts up you know a, a pretty big barrier that and so 
and then you know, and I, I am human reviewing them all to just make sure they're not like obscene or you know hate content or anything else. Um, and there was one one person submitted one that had a word that some people might consider a bad word. It's not like one of the big ones, but it's like a kind of ancillary one. So, uh, so I went I went back to that person. I'm like, hey, do you mind if I edit this? And we worked out a different copy, and then that was it. And then I approved it. So that that was the only the only one that even required any review at all. Nice. And you know what's amazing about this? When Google sells ads on my behalf, I get something like, I think, 60% of it. When Apple sells anything on my behalf, I get 70% of it, or maybe a year later for subscriptions, if I'm lucky, 85% of it. When Google pays me money, it's money that I earned like, you know, six weeks ago that I finally get paid for. When Apple pays me my money, it's, again, similarly about money I earned about six weeks ago. With these Stripe ads, I'm earning, I think, about 97% of what they sell for, and it gets deposited in my bank account in two days. That's amazing. <laughs> it's really kind of amazing to be out of the like walled garden ecosystem for once. That's super cool. So initial reaction, things are going great. Yeah. How do you think you're going to play with the pricing for now? Like, Are you going to... I guess, I guess it, let's suppose you sell out in the next 48 hours. There's really no impetus to mess with pricing until the end of the month unless you want to cut down on the people that ask to be notified, right? I, well, I guess. I mean, I, I mean, that's probably not a good business plan to, to cut down on the number of interested parties. <laughs> but um, I guess what I'm saying is there's no, there's no reason for you to raise your prices now once you sell out unless you want to prevent people from saying notify me you know let's say the all goes from as we record it's less than a thousand dollars and let's say it becomes three thousand tomorrow all you're really accomplishing since it's sold out is is you're preventing me from being interested because i maybe i would have spent less than a thousand but i'm not going to spend three thousand you know what i mean so yeah you don't really need to mess around with pricing for like 30 days right yeah, I mean, for the most part, like you know, unless things are not selling, and then I might lower sure, the price sure, on things sure. that are not selling, like that health category. Uh, but you know, for the most part, I, I think I'm going to treat this the same way I've treated any other kind of thing where I set the price for an ad. So our podcast ads, you know, uh, my website ads when I sold RSS sponsorships, um, things like that. And the way I've done this basically is, if they sell out way too fast when I go to sell them, I raise the price a little bit until things start selling. Still at a reasonable pace. Like I don't want it to be like pulling teeth to get things sold, but slowly enough that it's not like a stampede. And then I get fifty angry emails from people saying, "Oh, I missed my chance to buy." Like you know, that's that's no good either. That also is not great for business necessarily. Uh, so I think I'm just going to control the prices slowly, and you know, maybe maybe when next month rolls around, I will you know, see how it sells at the new higher price from an hour ago instead of the initial prices, which are, which are about, I think, about 30% lower. Um, you know, I'll see how it sells at these new kind of higher prices. And if it sells out just as fast, then maybe for the month after that, then maybe I'll raise it a little bit more. But if it's selling out like at a reasonably healthy rate, then I'll just leave it the way it is, really. You really nailed it. This looks great. Thanks. So, uh Let's assume this is super successful for a year, just for the sake of discussion. Are you at all interested in expanding? I think we talked about this a little bit, but are you at all interested in expanding into being like I add for other people, so to speak, you know, and, 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 and either white labeling your ad platform or just extending your ad platform to anyone else's ad, uh, apps? Probably not. 
I because like once you become an ad network for other people, that's a very different business. And it's a much higher needs business for, you know, like just dealing with people, dealing with everyone else's money, dealing with staffing and dealing with people's issues. And it's a much bigger business. It's a much higher touch business. And this system I built kind of in response to uh, other types of advertising I've done where it's like, you know, for like blog ads and podcast ads, where a lot of times, you know, you, you, you have to like reach out to the sponsors, you have to you know, coordinate with them via four or five different emails. You eventually like put the ad in your, you book the ad in your system, you do the ad, and then you have to invoice them. And then they might take six months to pay the invoice. Like we've, we've seen, we've seen the whole, the whole spectrum. Some people pay the next day. Some people pay a year later or not at all. Um, And it's a very just intensive process. And there are tools like FreshBooks that make it easier. uh, But it's, it's still a lot of just, human work and just dealing with administration to just do the basics of selling and getting paid. And so with this, I I really created this to be as simple as possible. And this is actually one of the things that's going to keep the prices kind of low because most big companies who would sponsor things like this, who would buy these ads, if it's below a certain price, oftentimes that's $1,000. It requires less of a process for them to approve the payment. So, you know, a lot of times big companies, if you if it's more than that, you'll have to go through like an official, you know, requisition process or some other, you know, garbage full of paperwork and, and overhead. Um, but if it's, you know, if it's if it's lower, if, it, if it's like a, you know, a sub $1,000 price for something, a lot of times you can just put that on a credit card and be done with it and not have to worry too much about it. Uh, so I want to keep these prices in that range so that way I can have the system I have now, which is, look, if you want one of these, it's self-serve. You, you go to my site, you set it up, you pay right there. I don't even see it until you pay because I don't want to have to be chasing you down in a year because you didn't pay your invoice. <laughs> I, hate, I hate that so much. And so like this system is very much like keeping it as simple as I possibly can keep it. And part of that it requires that the prices be kind of low. That definitely requires that everything remains self-serve. And it requires that not a lot that I'm doing involves human interaction from me. Because if that's if that's what it ends up needing to be, I'll have to hire someone else to help me because I don't have the time to be dealing with a lot of effort into the system. But in order to keep it that size and, and that scale, I basically have to keep it my app only. I, I, I can't become an ad network for any other apps because that will that will by nature, make it a bigger, more complicated thing. The prices would probably go up. I'd have to start dealing with people's stupid invoice systems. And I just don't want to deal with that. That's not the business I want to be in. That makes a lot of sense. I, you know, the the thing that impresses me about you is that maybe maybe I'm just a big wimp, but the audacity of doing something like this, like, oh, screw it. I'll sell my own ads. Why not? Like, there's no way in a million years, maybe I would have had the thought if I were in your shoes, but I'd look at this and be like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. There's no way that'll work. And good man, good on you for, for not only having the, the, I don't know, fortitude to, to do it, but to, to make it happen so far seems successful. Like John has said, uh, I think the ticking time bomb is about a, a year away until you do another uh, business model change. So I'm expecting <laughs> this will fail miserably. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I was just mostly doing that as a joke. Cause if it, like, know, like Margo said, if it continues like this or better, like there's no reason to do, unless, totally. like I said, unless somehow it becomes too much of a burden for Marco to deal with it. I don't see how it would, because everything he just outlined about how he doesn't have to do anything and doesn't have to chase people for money and doesn't have to get money on behalf of other people like i you know again maybe he's leaving money on the table by saying oh i'm going to try to keep it in the in the petty cash range but if that's enough money then 
it's fine and it should be sustainable. Um, same could have probably been set up at all the past plans. So again, we have to wait to see how it's going to be, but if it actually continues like this sustainably, I don't really see any reason for him to change models. Yeah. I, yeah, mean, I completely agree. And Cause like it, 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 the sales would have to go down a lot for it to make sense for me to look at another model again, because right now I have pretty much everything I want. I have a way to get sustainable income. I have my, my paying subscriber still, which is its own, you know, nice sustainable income that can almost support the whole business by itself. Um, so this is kind of just bonus money, and this is monetizing all the free users finally in a way that actually works, <laughs> because the ads really didn't do that well enough. The other, the previous ads. Um, so this is kind of a great system as long as it continues to sell the inventory at any reasonable rate. And you know, day one again, it's it's impossible to say. I mean. You know, once you have the kind of audience that my app has, I I could sell out day one pretty easily. But the question is, what happens on day 365 when people have had a year worth of buying these ads to see what they're actually worth? And what if they're worth a lot less than what I'm charging? Obviously, I have to lower my prices, but like, what are they worth? We don't know. There, I don't think there's ever been a system where you could advertise for a podcast in a podcast player. So this is really a complete unknown for both me and the advertisers. We have no idea what, what a subscriber is worth, you know, or how, ma- how much these subscribers stick around. Or, you know, if you get a subscriber through an ad, are they, you know, how many of them are still subscribed in a year? We don't know. And so it's, it's the great unknown right now. But day one suggests that, it's pr- that there's basically a very wide... Uh, buffer here for things to need to be scaled down if necessary if it ends up the economics don't work very well i can scale this way down and it's still worth doing so that that to me shows that this is probably a good idea by the way there's also other controls i have like i can increase the number of slots that sell you know like in certain categories if they if they demand that the price be below a certain level to sell them very often I can just put more slots there. You know, like this is this is a known thing to do. Like, you know, people have been dealing with ad-based businesses for quite a long time now. We know how to do it. And as long as the ads are valuable at all, you can usually make it work. And and I think what we're seeing so far is that I think these are valuable. The only question is just how valuable. And that but that's really just minor tweaks over time. That's not like having to rethink the whole system. Yeah, that's super cool. I'm uh really impressed, really proud of you. This is good work. Thanks. Uh, a couple of very quick questions. Uh, would you consider open sourcing this ad backend so that other people can copy all your hard work for free? Probably not, but it's not out of like a like a guarding my hard work kind of attitude. It's more just like a lot of it is pretty intertwined with Overcast. So it, it mm-hmm. wouldn't make a lot of sense for this to be used for anybody else. You know, like this is really an ad network for podcasts on Overcast that happens to also work for websites. So, like, you know, it's not, it's pretty custom to Overcast. And most of the hard stuff is payment processing, which I don't even, which, you know, anybody can integrate Stripe and do that. So it's, yeah, there's not a lot of value to that. Fair enough. And finally, uh, where's my swipe to delete? I was doing this. So I haven't done that yet. I'm going to tackle that probably next week. It's got 30 days to do swipe to delete. Is that how this works? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I have 29 days to do it, and then one day to make all these notifications. Fair enough. I take back all the nice things you said, uh, unless you give me my swipe to delete. One star.
We are sponsored this week by Casper, an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Go to casper.com slash ATP and use code ATP for $50 towards your mattress. Casper created one perfect mattress, sold it directly to consumers, and eliminated commission-driven inflated prices. The award-winning Casper mattress was developed in-house with a sleek design and is delivered in a remarkably small box. You can get it up narrow stairs if you have to. Casper has revolutionized the industry by cutting the cost of dealing with all these resellers and passing that savings directly on to you. The in-house team of Casper engineers spent thousands of hours developing the Casper mattress. It contains supportive memory foams for a sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. And its breathable design sleeps cool to help you regulate your temperature throughout the night. Casper has also made buying mattresses online, which sounds kind of crazy, completely easy and risk-free. They have free delivery in that nice and small box and free returns within a 100-night home trial. If you don't love it, within a hundred nights of sleeping on it, they will arrange for it to be picked up at your house and they'll give you a full refund. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit because you're going to be spending a third of your life on it. Get yours and try it for a hundred nights in your own home with free delivery and free returns with home pickup, completely risk-free. Go to casper.com slash ATP. Use code ATP for $50 towards your mattress. Terms and conditions do apply. Once again, casper.com slash ATP and code ATP. Thank you very much to Casper for sponsoring our show. So today, I think it was today, um, there was a rumor that broke that came out of the Wall Street Journal, which is usually pretty well sourced. In fact, usually well sourced enough that we all kind of believe that Apple goes to the Wall Street Journal and says, hey, would you talk about this, please? Um, And the Wall Street Journal has said that the iPhone 8, or whatever it may be called, will have USB-C and... At first, I thought, oh, this means that it'll have lightning on the phone and USB-C on the other end of the cable instead of, you know, USB, what is it, B, A? I always get it confused. A. Whatever the, A, thank you, whatever today is. Um, B is the Pentagon on printers. Ah, right. Okay. So anyway, so I assumed, oh, that just means that the cable will go from lightning to USB-C. That makes sense. Most, pretty much all the laptops are USB-C now. Fine. But uh, upon further inspection, it sounds like, no, 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 the phone itself will actually be USB-C. And I have really conflicting opinions about this because my gut reaction is, no, no, I do not want this. I have a crud load of lightning cables. Lightning is really small. And I don't want to mess with that. What good does this do me? And I think that that's in large part because off the top of my head, I don't think I own a single device that supports USB-C. So I guess you could make the argument I'm living in the past. And if you make the argument I'm living in the past, then I guess really this is the future. And maybe I should be using USB-C and I should embrace my future USB-C overlords. So, John, Marco and I were talking a lot earlier. What do you think about all this? This is a weird uh, rumor because, like you said, it is in the Wall Street Journal, which is usually like the the end the end stage of life for rumors if they graduate all the way up to potential leak <laughs> and they end up in the Wall Street Journal. But as so many people have pointed out, it is so poorly written that we can't even tell. It's it's like it was written by someone who doesn't understand any of the things involved. They don't understand how phones work. They don't understand what these different standards for connectors are. They don't understand what a port is. 
because they wrote it in such a way they were all reading it going what what are you even trying to say just like casey said are you just saying that the other end of the connector will be c are you saying the phone will have a usb-c port are you saying ipads will have usb-c ports in addition to the lighting like what are you what are you even saying this is the worst leak ever like you have to leak in a coherent way so we can at least understand the thing that you're telling us is supposed to be coming but so i've kind of discounted uh or not discounted but i've i've set aside how this rumor is being communicated. I've chosen to believe that what these things are trying to tell us is exactly what Casey said, and that if you pick up an iPhone in the future and look at the bottom of it, instead of a lightning port, you'll see a USB-C port like every other, you know, Android phone and all the other things that are out there, right? That's what I'm choosing to to think this is trying to tell me. And then I'm thinking about that. If it's trying to tell me something different, like, oh, the, you know, the other end of the lightning cable is going to be USB-C, that is a super boring rumor, and I guess we could kind of get upset about that because, as has been pointed out in many places before, that's cool for Apple's ecosystem, and it kind of makes sense, and it kind of gets back to the whole iPhone 7 thing where, like, oh, you buy an iPhone 7 and a new MacBook Pro, and you can't even plug them in because there's no place to put the USB-A connector. That's true and all, but USB-A is everywhere as a charging port. It's on my luggage, for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> like, it is everywhere. Um, so there's an argument to be had there that Apple doing that would be maybe an apple thing to do to be like oh you should just you know you should be in an apple ecosystem our our power bricks have usb-c connectors that's the future of blah, blah anyway i'm ignoring that and i'm just pretending they're telling me that there's going to be usb-c port on iphones and i i'm of two minds on this like i, I feel like yep. there is there are strong arguments on both sides both strong arguments for why this would be good and bad and also surprisingly strong arguments for why apple wouldn't wouldn't do this like usually it's the it's the opposite it's like okay well there's arguments for and against on a tech wise but then when you bring apple into the picture and you say would apple do this like there's usually only one strong argument for like that tech stuff aside we know apple would definitely do a thing like this or would never do a thing like this and with apple in the state it is i think you can look to apple and say very strongly they both would do something like this and wouldn't do something like this and for the tech you can say this is an awesome tech idea and this is a bad tech idea um so for on the tech side obviously why is this a bad idea uh because lightning is smaller and you know that every connector every millimeter on a connector is some number of months or years off its life as apple makes things ever thinner and thinner you're going to hit the limit of USB-C before you hit the limit of lightning not much before it's like probably like fractions of a millimeter or something but a little bit before lightning is smaller than USB-C, so there's that on the other side of the tech thing and this is a little bit of an unknown here lightning we don't know how unreliable lightning is like we have anecdotal evidence of weird connector scorching and stuff apple knows for sure what their warranty repair thing is you know and also there's the apple cables themselves which really has nothing to do with connector and everything to do with apple's uh uncomfortable relationship with strain relief on cables where they apparently make things that don't hold up that well when they're under uh you know under rough usage but there is a tech argument to be made for you know for the fact that lightning is smaller but also the fact that uh usb usb c and someone will correct me if i'm wrong inverts the relationship of springy pieces of metal and stationary pieces of metal where the connector is stationary and solid and has these contacts on it which is great and makes that connector sturdy but the inside of the device has the little springy metal fingers that touch the contact points so if those little springy metal fingers get fatigued or bent up or fail to make good contact um 
that's inside your phone and you got a problem. Whereas on USB-C connectors, I believe the springy bits are in the cable and inside the connector is the stiff stationary thing. I'm using the tactical terms for all this, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> and so if the little springy bits that make contact with the stationary thing fatigue, throw out the cable and get a new cable. Um, so that that is a tech argument on the side of USB-C. Uh, and then, again, I guess on, on the connectors themselves, you've got the you know the business side of like well apple gets money for lightning connectors people can't make peripherals without it and that's a good and a bad thing because good apple makes money and can control it it's bad that apple has to approve every peripheral um yeah so that's like you can it's there are arguments on both sides for the tech thing and then let's move over to apple is this a thing apple would do or is this an apple thing apple wouldn't do and i think probably as soon as like a couple of years in the past we all would have said Regardless of all that tech stuff we just talked about, Apple will never do this because Apple loves things super thin and Apple loves things proprietary. And Apple is not so much in love with conforming to industry standards just for the hell of it, right? That would that would be the only side of this argument. We'd all be like, yep, totally, like that's the Apple. But today's Apple, today's Apple is doing things the old Apple didn't do, both good and bad, and has sowed enough doubt in my mind that I c- I'm now envisioning these boardroom conversations where somebody high up says tell me again what the advantages are of uh the our proprietary lightning connector versus USB-C, and maybe this comes up because of uh large numbers of warranty repairs or you know who, who knows what the inciting incident is but someone says remind me again why we've been doing this lightning thing for five years like what advantage do we continue to have over uh over usbc especially now that we spread usbc to all of our uh you know all of our macs and our power brick connectors and you know all that stuff uh and presumably if they ever release new macs they will expand it to even more of them um why are we still using lightning again i'm not saying there's not a reason but just you know just go over it again for me like Tell, tell me again what the advantages are getting then someone will come up with like here's our revenue from our made for iphone program and here's what we've been able to do with the connector with changing the pins through software and we're, we're not beholden to the usb consortium and here are this blah 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 and maybe there's an argument within the company that says well, that's those are compelling arguments now here's what we would get with USB-C everywhere it would be the same one connector for power data uh peripherals video out at adapters for networking like across Macs and all iOS devices, including the future much bigger iPads that we're surely making with multiple USB connectors on them. Right? Right, Apple? Making those? (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure they're going to make that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Once you you standardize on just literally one omnidirectional connector that's really small across all your products, that's that's an advantage and you you get to take advantage of the ecosystem of existing USB-C peripherals which presumably will only grow as other things adopt it so an apple five years ago i can't imagine this discussion even taking place in serious ways apple today i can imagine this discussion being had prompted by whatever and i can imagine the USB-C contingent inside apple winning the argument and saying we're going to go with the industry standard even though it is worse in a few ways tech wise because it's also better in a few ways tech-wise, and there's an ecosystem advantage, not just for Apple and non-Apple companies, but for Apple's own products internally to standardize them. Because there's never been there's never been a chance to do that before. At no time in the past has there been any viable choice for a standard connector for like iPods and all Macs, except for I guess when it was FireWire, but that was 
hard, was hardly viable and firewire was definitely not the standard across all Macs. They had Macs that didn't even have it on it. Um, so here we are. And I find myself incredibly believing a rumor that a future iPhone would have a USB-C connector on it because you know, it's not, it's not a slam dunk and I'm not even saying it's higher than 50, 50, but I would, I would say it is 50, 50 in my mind that tech wise coin flip would Apple do it coin flip. That's, that's where I come down on this. Do you want them to? I kind of do because if they're going to standardize on USB-C everywhere, the I'm I'm sold on the uniformity win. And I'm also kind of sort of sold on the durability win with the little bendy finger thingies. And I have no I have no data on the on the reliability thing and of course all my connectors still work and I don't have these problems that oh, people have. Of course had. they do. Of course right. you well, do. And well, although my wife said she had one of hers that had the little scorch mark, I looked at it. It wasn't like it wasn't like Marco's was, but that you just just mechanically speaking, like I love the lightning connector, the fact that it was solid and didn't have any little fragile pins in it and everything. But the fact that there those little things, those little fragile fingers are inside the phones, I can see that being a problem. But anyway, I don't I don't have data on this, um, but I'm willing to believe. And so if they did it, I won't be angry. I'll be kind of proud of them for being surprisingly pragmatic and courageous and for yeah kind of kind of not so much courageous in terms of like like we're willing to take the heat because i think they wouldn't actually that's the other aspect of this some people are going to be angry like uh you just changed the connector you're changing it again well first of all just is a relative term like the 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 30 pin connector was around for almost 10 years and so uh, you know that i think that's a, a good run this is slightly more than half of that. It's if they ended up swapping this out and slowly transitioning, it would be like five, six years by the time they were done transitioning everything, right? All the products they sold. That's a little bit. That's you know, it's shorter than the thirty pin. But unlike the thirty pin to Lightning, they wouldn't be changing one proprietary connector for another. They would actually be moving to where everybody else already is. So I can't. I think actually people wouldn't be all that mad about. It. Yes, you'll be mad. I'll have all these Lightning cables. What the hell do I do with them, right? But there is a there is a PR and real win there to say. But we move to the standard. We move to the industry standard. So now, you know, if you're in a mixed household with Android and iOS devices, you don't have to have two separate charging cables. And the, the thing that you use to charge your Mac can also charge your phone. And just there's a you know there's a story to be had there to sell this so that it is less impact. So that it's basically even though it hasn't been around for ten years. We're not moving to another proprietary one. We're not screwing you over. We're moving to the industry standard. So people will be less angry for a shorter period of time, I think. Marco? Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with John. Um, if you would have asked me a year ago, I would have said, oh, why, why would they kill lightning? That's dumb. This might even come up a year ago. I might have said exactly that. Who knows? Um, but the way I feel about it now, like you know, now that I've, I've had my, my USB-C MacBook Pro for a few months and I've, I have a few USB-C cables and now I have the stupid thing where I have like half of my cables are that kind and half for another kind and it's really annoying. Um, and, you know, on the phone it's a little bit different than like a laptop because it's the other end of the cable. But it is kind of annoying when I'm packing for a trip and I'm packing my charging cables that most of what I use charges via lightning. But not all of what I use. I still have to have a USB, you know, some mini USB cables, and now I have a USB C cable for this new laptop, and probably anything I get in the future will be USB C cables. There is a lot, you know, like the EU has mandated certain charge cable standards for a while, and the reason why is because this actually generates tons of waste 
like all the different like waste cables that people have to you know buy separately and then wear out separately, throw away separately, and have all, all these different connectors and everything. It, it actually does hurt progress in a number of big ways to have all these proprietary things. I think all you have to do to to decide whether this is a good idea or not, kind of in, like in theory, is to think like if they were designing the iPhone five, the first cable, the first phone not to use the dot connector, if they were designing that today. Would they still make Lightning today in a world where USB-C exists, or would they just use USB-C? And it's kind of, you know, if you do like the mental exercise, like, what would be, like, the right thing to do if they, were, if they had a clean start today? If there was no legacy to worry about, no established devices out there in the world, what would be, like, the right choice? And I think it's very clear USB-C would be the right choice, you know, it, Assuming it is probably more resilient because of you know having the pins on the cable instead of, instead of the plug, um, things like that. But also just because it is clearly a really good, very soon to be very widespread industry standard, and there's a lot of benefits to that. Like Apple does love a good proprietary port when when they can make one. They do love that. They'll take they'll take advantage when they can, uh, but. Not always. Sometimes they just use standard things like USB, like on the Macs. Like, you know, they for a long time, they used a standard headphone jack because that it wasn't worth making their own custom headphone jack. Like the world had a standard for this thing and they used it. And most of the time they do that. Most of the time, that's the choice they make. And right now, I think it's very, very clear that, you know, like when they made the dock connector, that was a special purpose thing they made for iPods. Then they later adapted it. When they made Lightning... There was nothing better for them to move to. Like the industry, you know, the USB consortium and their people were designing God knows what with all those crazy, like, like the USB three B connector, mini micro USB, the the seven connectors they have to my digital cameras in the house that yeah. all looks almost the same. Yeah, and that like pretty much everything the USB people have have ever designed from a cable perspective or from a connector perspective rather uh, has been horrendous before USB C. It's no coincidence that Apple allegedly had a very big role in USB C, possibly even designing the whole thing themselves and just like handing it to the USB people and saying here. Yeah, that's another reason, by the way, that that this argument could be won inside Apple because whatever sort of not invented here Apple pride things may be preventing it. Like <laughs> with Lightning, we made that be like. We kind of made USB C too, so that we're all good in the we're all good in the pride area. Even if the world doesn't know it, we here at Apple know that we kind of made this too. So that that's another that that's why I can imagine this argument being won inside Apple. Exactly, and so today, no question, the right move if you were starting fresh would be USB C. And so the the only question is, is it worth it for Apple to endure the transition costs to get to that point? And I think, you know, Apple, you know, I, I made a joke about Courage earlier referring to their their wonderful just justification for moving the headphone jack. But I think ditching Lightning this year and going to USB-C in this new fancy phone, that would be real courage. Because they are going to hear about it from the users if they do this. They are definitely going to hear from people. I mean, people are still mad today about Lightning. <laughs> like, they're still mad almost five years later that they can't use their dot connector that they bought 10 years ago to charge their iPhone. I, I do hope, though, like maybe Apple has numbers in this, because Android phones are so pervasive, I think I saw like what their market share is among smartphones. I think it's like 80% or something. It's some really, really high number. I'm hoping that every house that has, a, 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 or some high percentage of the houses that have angry people who are angry about like dropping lightning, that there'll be USB-C charging cables hanging around within a couple of years to charge the Android phones in the house. Exactly. And so if you think about like, 
what does an all USB-C world look like? Well, we're already going to be halfway there because all Android phones are going to have it. If they don't already, they're going to have it, you know, probably within the next year, right? And so, like, you're going to start seeing now in, you know, in, in places like, like, you know, like hotel nightstands and, like, charging cables in, like, airports and, and like, terminals and stuff like that. Like, you're going to start seeing, you know, where, where you used to see maybe you'd have a lightning port or, or a lightning cable and maybe you'd have one of those dual, like, lightning and micro USB things. You're going to start seeing USB-C all over all those things now for all the Android phones. And wouldn't it be great if they could just do USB-C and have that cover all phones? That would just be the new standard for charging your phone. That would be amazing. I think Apple had big plans for Lightning, for it being this like amazing universal port that could do all these different data things and everything. And I think part of the justification for removing the headphone jack last year was, you know, it turns out we live in a wireless world. Like most of what we do is wireless. Still, like I'll, I'll go, like I'll go look at like you know audio stuff. I like, try to buy like a, a decent microphone or sound interface for iOS devices, and a lot of them didn't even make the jump from thirty pin to Lightning. I think Lightning largely hasn't panned out in like being the universal accessory port Apple wanted it to be, and for a number of reasons. One is you know wireless things are are so good. Another is that Android is more of a presence than I think Apple you know thought it would be or wanted it to be in that market. You know, it's similar to like, you know, one of the reasons everyone said why they wouldn't maybe do this is, well, they just had to make lightning headphones this past year. Well, no, lightning headphones have actually been around for a couple years, but there's been like three pairs of them. Like there's been almost none and almost nobody uses them. The only ones that have any reasonable use are the ones that Apple includes in the box for free with the iPhone 7. But if they change to USB-C, they would probably just include a USB-C version. And just like it was basically no big deal for all the people who got the ones in the box for free with the iPhone 7, it would be similarly no big deal for all the people who would get the new USB-C ones in the box with the iPhone 8 or whatever it's called. So like that, you can rule that argument right out. That doesn't matter. That, that doesn't matter enough, right? If you also look at the iPad in particular, the iPad really needs, needs help. You know, it, it, it needs to become more of a work device to boost its sales because it seems like you know they nailed the like passive consumption market pretty well if you want a the passive consumption by rich people market yeah well that yeah (laughs) yeah the the high end of the passive consumption market they 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 have that covered now where i think they they need to make a lot more headway is in the productivity market and they are starting to see you know things like things like the surface hurting them uh not in like a massive way yet but in a way that they should really be noticing and that they probably are. And for the iPad to grow, they they are making it more PC-like. They added the smart keyboards. They added the smart connector. They added the pencil. They, you know, they're going to hopefully keep pushing in this direction. You know, who knows what the software has coming next month or this month, whatever, whatever it is. We'll see, I guess. But I think there is large potential if you would put a USB-C port on an iPad. Because right now... You know, I mentioned earlier about like sound devices and things like, like very few of them are available for lightning. Everything is available for computers. Like every kind of peripheral you can think of is available with a USB interface on the end of it. And you know, maybe not a USB-C port necessarily, but like it could plug into a USB-C port through a very easy, cheap cable <laughs> or a very easy adapter that you probably would already have three of in the bag. Uh, if Apple wants the iPad to become more of a computer replacement... Adding a USB-C port or two or three is not ridiculous. You know, it's the kind yeah, of thing I rem- like... I remember when I suggested that. 
uh, was that on this show? I suggested maybe a couple of years ago uh, adding a bunch of USB ports to the iPad, and I'm pretty sure both of you laughed at me very heartily. Because every <laughs> Apple commentator would have laughed at the suggestion a year ago or more. We all did. Every Since the iPad uh, won. I, well, I didn't laugh at it. Like I said, like you have so much room on the side of the iPad, and they want it to be uh, more capable. It's the place to put. I was thinking of USB-A ports. That's how long ago it was. Like I was envisioning USB-A ports on the side of like the iPad 1, because there was actually room for them back then. But, you know, the Apple... It, it, I, like, I want more than one port on on a 12 inch ipad pro i don't want just one centered in the bottom replacing the lightning port you have the opportunity to put more than one there's plenty of room and if you want it to be the pro ipad like surface uh, hardware it doesn't have just one port for power and all usb like the macbook one does so you got to compete yeah so i think the ipad there's lots of new uses or uses that would be better if the ipad had usb-c ports at least one and if they're going to do that, why would they keep the lightning port also? It would it would make very little sense to keep the lightning port. That's for port. your headphones, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, speaking of that, like, I just realized the other day when reading these stories about lightning headphones and stuff, I realized I actually don't know where my lightning headphones that came with my iPhone 7 are right now in the house. I, I don't think I lost them, but I don't know where they are in the house because I've been using AirPods. And right. if they if they get out ahead of this, if they do the transition now, with the anticipation, two anticipating two things. One thing Margaret has said that like USB C, it's not it's not pervasive now, but presumably in a few years it will be pervasive thanks to Android phones and everything, right? So they'll be out ahead of that. So they will be saving their customers from the experience of being like, oh, I'm on vacation, and oh, I can't use my iPhone with this thingy or this charge cable because it's not USB. So they're saving them from that. And then two, the thing that Apple kind of knows and controls is what is the time horizon for wireless charging, right? Is that just around the corner? Is it one or two years? I feel like Apple, if they switch now, will be saying, we believe that by the time we get our devices so thin that we can't USB can't use USB-C anymore, we'll have the wireless charging thing covered. So, again, they're in a position to know, and those all seem like reasonable things that could happen. Well, the other thing is, like, I mean, this, this doesn't sound a lot more likely than Apple adding USB to an iPad, but what if the phone is getting thicker because they're getting rid of the bezels and they need somewhere to put things like the camera? The reason why those bezels are there is you know partly out of like you know looks and grip and everything but mostly because that's where you have to put a bunch of components that are too deep to fit behind the screen and if they're moving to these larger screen like more edge-to-edge phone designs that can be smaller in the hand like have a smaller you know width and height in the hand they might have to get thicker in order to just have space for things like a decent camera get ready for some bigger camera bumps well, probably, but <laughs> I mean, that's that seems like a more Apple as as judged by the iPhone seven. They'll just make a bigger bulge rather than make the whole thing wider, thicker. But we'll see. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, so my point is basically that, like, in a perfect world, if they started from scratch, they had no legacy. They'd probably go USB C. That would probably be the best option. If you look at the iPad, the iPad could really use USB-C, and it wouldn't make a lot of sense. It wouldn't be very Apple-style to still keep Lightning on there. They could just replace that. We are already not using Lightning for much else besides charging. Like, it's not being used for a whole lot more by most people uh, than just charging your phone. Um and they're already pushing things like Bluetooth for a lot of peripherals for audio output and things like that. So, and and of course, then also you look at the Mac and the and the Mac. You know, if you have USB C on both things, 
everything shares the same peripherals. Everything shares the same cables. You can charge them everywhere, even with the Android device cables. You can use all of the devices for Android right now that are made by companies like Sony. That like, If Sony has to pick between making something for Lightning or making something for USB-C for Android phones, they pick Android because they're, they're more of an Android-focused company. There's lots of companies like that where like you kind of have to like when you pick teams like you, you see like some of the headphones are like there are some USB C headphones now for Android phones um, and there are some Lightning headphones for for iPhones and usually the same headphone isn't available in both like you you kind of have to pick and it sucks having this like this format war really uh, going on between these companies and these different ecosystems where you you can't use the same headphones between, between two different devices wouldn't it be great if you could just have one standard and USB C is good enough. And it's going to be good enough for quite some time. We're not going to have to change cables again in like three years from now. It's going to be a while. And it would be amazing to have that. Now, there is one other part of this that is worth pointing out. And that is the other end of the cable. The end that plugs into the power brick. Or the computer, if the case may be. I think, personally, I think it's more likely that this rumor has been misunderstood. And that the more likely outcome here is that Apple's not changing the phone to USB-C, but they're just going to ship it in the box with a USB-C cable that plugs into a USB-C brick, but it's still going to have lightning on the phone end. That is way more likely. That's totally That's totally what I thought, and I think that's so, so much more boring of a rumor, so that's why I was like, yeah. I don't want to talk about that, because it's like, <laughs> all right, fine. If they do that, like... All you can do for that one is get angry about the fact that now you have no place to ch- plug in your charging cable. But that would make such perfect sense along with everything we have. But but why is that a story? That's not a Wall Street Journal caliber story. Like, because, who, you know, who cares? Whatever. I, I really hope that's not it. And, and the thing is, in many ways, having USB-C on the charger end is actually worse than having USB-A on the charger end. Because, like, as I ranted on Twitter earlier, like... Basically, like the entire world right now has tons of infrastructure in place that has USB A ports everywhere for people uh-huh. to charge, people to plug their phones into to charge them with. And it, this isn't just like the the phone owner having to buy a new power brick or you know having to use a different one that comes in the box and throw away all their old ones. This is like again, it's like airplanes, cars hotels, like all luggage. these different... Yeah, luggage. All these different places where you have USB-A ports. Those travel things that we all have with like 12 USB-A ports on them. You take the hotel so you can charge the whole family's devices with you. Now, there's nothing to say yep. that all those devices won't also convert to USB-C at some point. It's just the question of if you're changing the non-phone end of the cable, which is what we're talking about now, even though it's boring. If you're changing the non-phone end of the cable, is now the right time to change away from A? Because well, you're not gaining much except for... The only thing you're gaining is uniform sanity within apple's lines where you no longer have the embarrassing situation where you buy a macbook pro and an iphone and you can't charge them in each other but that's it that's all you get out of it yeah and so like you know it, it would be fine to have to have usb c to c as the main thing or c to lightning as the main thing that would be fine but i think c to lightning as the cable that comes with the phone and as the thing that most people have is actually less convenient now and for the foreseeable future than a to lightning would be because there are so many A ports everywhere in the world that people already have installed or bought or everything else. And it goes way beyond just buying a new power brick and it goes into things like buying a new car or, re- or retrofitting airplanes. And like those are things that just don't happen very often. So we're going to have USB-A ports as like the new power outlet for phones for a long time to come. And you can't adapt a USB-A port 
to have a USB-C cable plugged into it. You can go the other direction with all these little wonderful $9 adapters that Apple sells, but you can't go the other way. You can't plug a USB-C device into a USB-A port. It violates the USB spec because there's lots of weird things that can go wrong if you do it wrong and lots of like weird combinations they didn't want to allow with like, what do you do with the massive amount of power on these pins and things like that. And so that direction can't be like legally adapted by, by the USB spec uh, and for very good reasons that are probably unlikely to change. So if you're going to have a cable that you're going to want to plug into whatever you find as you travel or go throughout the world or in and out of your car or wherever else, you're probably going to want a, a whatever the phone has, Lightning or USB-C, to USB-A, and then maybe have a dongle with your laptop so you can plug it in there sometimes. You want to save yourself some email? Yeah. Go, you have to tell them that you know that there's connectors that go from A to C. You have to tell. You have to say that. Yes, I know there are connect. <laughs> I know you can go on lots of places and buy one from some kind of no-name brand, but there's a reason why there aren't that many of them, and why you don't see people like Apple selling them because they're bad. <laughs> bad things can happen. Please don't use them. So, speaking of saving email, I forgot to mention that I do have a modern uh, Apple TV in the house, and that is USB-C. Uh, would either of you care to wager a guess how many times I've plugged a USB-C? A USB-C cable into that Apple TV. Isn't that just a diagnostic port? I don't think it's like supposed to be a user. No, it's 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 for diagnostics and it's for developers. Like when I install Providence, the emulator that oh, I yeah, use, yeah. it's you know similar to how you plug in a phone to run devices or to run apps that you write from Xcode onto the phone through USB. Same thing with the Apple TV. You plug it into the USB port and it becomes an output device for Xcode that you can run stuff on. Speaking of USB-C, the Nintendo Switch has USB-C, which is out soon. Mm-hmm. And someone tweeted earlier today that if you plug a Nintendo Switch into a MacBook Pro, the Switch charges the laptop, not the other way around. <laughs> That's pretty great. In the world of ubiquitous connectors, it is kind of a weird situation because like, we have the... It's kind of based on size. That's like you expect if you're using your laptop and you're like, oh, my phone's low. I'm going to plug it into my laptop. That's the thing like we've all done, right? You fully expect that when you plug your phone into your laptop, the laptop will charge your phone. The phone won't charge your laptop. And why do you think that? Well, because the batteries in the, la- in the laptop is bigger, I guess. Um, but when you do it with the Switch, I guess they don't know how big they are. It's like the little dog that thinks he's the big dog. He's like, <laughs> I got you, MacBook. Here's some juice. Take this. I don't even uh, Who knows? It could be that just the Mac thinks it's being charged, and it actually isn't, because I don't understand why the Switch would output charge or anything. But in in this world of ubiquitous USB-C, that, you know, our future world where everything has USB-C ports, it can be confusing as to what the actual relationship between devices with batteries in them will be when you plug them into each other i mean i'm sure there's i'm sure part of the standard is like for that but they probably just didn't quite do it right or something yeah or like again why the hell is the switch charging anything i don't think there are any peripherals that plug into the switch and derive power from it so who knows yeah what, what do its various uh, external control like the the pro controller what are those are those all just wireless with their own chargers or what I would guess so. I mean, the, the all, all existing game, uh, console controllers I have use one of the terrible micro USB mm-hmm. things. Maybe the the Switch Pro controller has uh, uh, USB C. I wouldn't know because I don't have a pre order for it. Um, but I'm working on that. <laughs> By the way, so everybody knows, I do have orders. I do now have uh, pre orders for the Switch and for the Zelda game that I want, thanks to some very helpful fans of the show. Uh, so far, still no Pro controller. Yeah, you're, you're going to have to tell me at some point how I'm supposed to get a Pro Controller when I get my Switch. Also, can I buy the games? I, I heard that Pete, when, when, I, when I mentioned that I had these games in my Amazon cart ready to pre-order, I got a number of helpful people saying, why don't I just buy a giant SD card and download them? Is that, is that a thing I can do? Yeah, but like the only reason I want the Zelda is because it's like the special edition that comes with a bunch of little tchotchkes and stuff, you know, and it comes with a soundtrack CD. Right? Right, I, I would throw all that away or I'd mail it to you. Exactly. So... 
So if you don't care about that, uh, I'm pretty sure every single game is is downloadable, and the storage on the Switch itself is not that big, so everyone's telling you to buy an SD card, but I think if you just get the Switch and just want to play Zelda, you can just get it and then download Zelda and play it. And the, did you see the other story, speaking of Switch, about the uh, the Zelda carts? Have you seen pictures of how big the little uh, the uh, the Switch cartridges are? No. Like, they're really small. Like, they're not as small as, like, the micro micro SD cards, but they're smaller than you think they are. Um, and that poses a problem because... Like, what if kids find these little games and stick them in their mouth and swallow them or do something else bad with them, right? So Nintendo's solution to this was to coat the cartridges they sell with a very, very bad-tasting substance. So people are now licking uh, Nintendo Switch cartridges. That's the backstory? I had seen people say, oh, yes, they really do taste like garbage. I didn't know what the backstory was, though. Yeah, that's that's what I've heard. It's a plausible theory because it is it is like kind of a, a you know a swallowing choking hazard. They're small enough, and they're going to be around kids. Like because you know it's not it's not like the they're you're not worried about a kid swallowing the SIM card from your phone because kids aren't playing with the SIM card in your phone. But kids will be around these loose cartridges for the Switch, or they you know bring a bunch of them in the back of the car with them and play them on a car trip and stuff. And their you know younger sibling gets a hold of them, and so apparently they taste terrible. Wait, so I so I have a question. All right, so. Uh, a while so I used to bite my nails, and, I, and one of the ways I stopped was I got one of those like horrible tasting nail polish things. Same theory, and yeah. However, the one of the shortcomings of that is that it would like rub off on like food I was preparing or like any anything that I touched would taste horrible. Mm-hmm. And so, if you like handle a switch cartridge. And then you go make a sandwich. It like is it going to rub off at all? Like, are you going to taste that? <laughs> so I have to say that this is the internet, and I've just read some tweets. So, for all I know, this is totally false, and people just got some weird foul-tasting stuff on their Switch cartridges. But, I will say that now, assuming this story is true, I would think that the coating they put on these cartridges would have some of the same problems as the nail-biting stuff. One, that it would eventually be able to wear off or be sucked off, as very determined nail-biters know well, that if you really if you really want to go to town, you can, A, build up a tolerance to, and B, eventually remove that Ugh, substance not this right? stuff it i i quit with one application well, that's how bad you, it was <laughs> you're you're not as determined as some as some little children um yeah it, i i can tell you from personal experience with people in my family who i will not name who are not me um that, that it is possible <laughs> to if you are stubborn enough to get rid of that stuff and two like you said that like will it come off on your hands I think it has to necessarily come off your hands if your hands are wet, because if it doesn't come off on your hands when they're wet, it also won't come off on your tongue when you're wet. And so I think those are real things. But what I'm hoping is that cartridges don't get handled much under normal circumstances and that people's hands are not wet enough to pull off the stuff again, assuming this entire story is true. But all we know is that when any of us gets or encounters a Nintendo Switch cartridge, it is incumbent upon us as part of the homework for the show to lick it. (laughs) You've just given me a really good reason to just download all my games and not ever buy one. Well, now you have to get one to lick. You have to. Tiff's going to want to lick it. Now, I, I just have to lick my SD card and see if that has the same coding on it. That's right. Oh. You need to ABX test this. Oh, my God. We are sponsored this week by Betterment. To learn more, visit betterment.com slash ATP. Betterment has changed the industry by making investing easier and available at a lower cost. 
Here's the thing with Betterment. It's actually a better way to invest your money because this is really your money. Betterment combined time-tested investing principles with the transparency and ease of use you expect from great technology, focusing on lowering fees for you and reducing your tax burden. And here's what you might find refreshing. Betterment really cares that you reach your financial goals, and this is why they've kept their fees so low. You can see how Betterment can improve your investments today. Investing involves risk. Right now, you can get one month managed free. That's no fees. To learn more, visit Betterment.com slash ATP. That's Betterment.com slash ATP. Betterment, investing made better. Anyway, uh, I think the thing that bothers me about the iPhone USB-C thing is if the USB-C is on the device itself, is on the iPhone, what technical thing does that solve? Like, yes, I understand that there's a consistency with the rest of like the laptop line, but what does that actually do for an iPhone that makes the iPhone itself better? Don't we get the advantage of dedicated analog audio pins so that we don't need the DAC in the things anymore and we could have uh, cheap headphones to connect to USB-C? Or am I misremembering this? Uh, Both USB-C and Lightning have have ways to do that. However, we also did find that in the little Apple dongle is a little tiny DAC because DACs cost nothing. Um, And it's not a very good one, but it doesn't matter for most people for what they're using. it's fine. So anyway, that, that's a potential advantage that you could get if Apple decides to take advantage of it. And if there are, it, it may, I have no idea if there are any existing headphones that take analog audio signals and have instead of a, you know, a regular headphone jack in the end, they have a USB-C one. But in theory, that's one. There's also, uh, you know, tech, tech-wise, the thing with the bendy pins that we talked about. Like, who knows how big a problem that is, but uh, it stands to reason that it is better to have the parts that eventually fatigue or bend or wear out on the cable that you can throw away and not inside the device. So that's another tech advantage. Yeah, I guess I guess I just there's nothing that you guys have said or that I can think of that makes me think, oh, this is the technical problem that's being solved with USB-C. It is worth that that juice is worth the squeeze of pissing off the entire <laughs> world uh, for another for another uh, cable change or another port. But change. Don't you think do you guys not agree? You both said that you thought people would be angry, but I totally think people will be less angry than 30 pin to lighting, even though 30 pin was thir- 10 years old. I think they'll be less angry about this because it's a switch to the standard because, yes, you're going to be grumbly. You're assuming, though, that people have USB-C devices. I am cheap, and I don't buy expensive things terribly often. But I always keep up to date on on uh, iPhones and iPads and whatnot, and, and I don't have a USB-C. Like I said, the only USB-C device I have is an Apple TV that I've never plugged USB-C into. They'd be a little bit ahead of the curve. Like, I agree, people don't have. But I think every story about this would be Apple concedes or like the most negative story you can have though like, apple finally concedes and does what everyone else does apple finally gets in line ever finally does the industry standard thing i think that would be the negative apple spin on these stories and you know again with the european regulations requiring whatever it was mini usb and probably going to require USB C. like i think that's the spin on the story and yes it's like oh i don't care what the hell the standard is i got a house full of freaking lightning cables that are now worthless to me right like people will be angry but i think the story will be apple gets in line with everybody else and that will soften the blow. Again, I think if you're going to do that, though, you wait another year or something like that because everyone is still sensitive to this. Because I still, within the last month, have heard people whining about lightning ports. And and so if you're going to make this jump, you make the jump where it, when it's, it's, it's 
preposterous that Apple isn't on USB-C. Right now, yeah. you I don't be think anyone... You want to though? Do you want them in to this feel case, like... Yeah. Because, yeah. again, the thing that I can't get past is it's not solving any technical problem that I'm aware of. Maybe on, like, an iPad, maybe if you wanted to plug in, say, an external display, which I guess you can do that with the HDMI cable on a phone or pad anyway, iPad anyway. So, yeah, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm failing to see what technical problem that makes the iPhone itself better. What technical problem are they solving by doing this? Because otherwise, why bother? Well, we we also don't know how pervasive the lightning connector problems are. Like, I don't know. How many people do we That's know true. who have had this problem? I, I know two people, uh, Marco and Merlin, right? Who have both had problems with the the contacts, you know, the bendy little bits coming out of thing, and then scorching the little connectors. Um, and I believe what Marco, did you get your phone replaced because of yeah. that? Yeah, I did. And then a Merlin, I th- I don't know if he got anything replaced, but he had like we were calling it the hardware virus because once one of the little uh, bendy pieces of metal doesn't contact with the shiny gold bits on the lightning connector and starts arcing it can cause a little burny spot there and that makes the connection even worse and more mm-hmm. arcing and so on and so forth and now you have a lightning connector that has a little burny spot on it and then if you put that lightning connector into another device now you have poor contact between the burny spot and the little bendy metal thing and it causes that to arc and so it's like it's like a hardware virus it's as you plug this this plug into a bunch of other devices eventually they all get this little burning spot on the same place and that's bad and is this just a problem that is really rare and esoteric and really much more much smaller in the grand scheme of things than Apple's bad strain relief? I don't know. But I do know two people, and it did cause a warranty replacement for sure on at least one of them. That, I think, would fall into the category of potentially a tech problem that USB-C is solving. Uh, but without fair. numbers, it's hard. It's, hard. it's hard to know without numbers, you know. I guess I just... but. But here again, that's like that's solving a problem for Apple that that your average consumer, even I, don't really wow. care about. Like, well, but Marco didn't want to get his phone. Well, maybe he did because of this, the microphone thing. But like, people don't want to have to bring in their thing <laughs> to get it swapped, right? I, I mean, does USB C solve the lint problem? That's another sort of anecdotal thing we don't have numbers for. But like, how many people have you heard about? Like, my thing wouldn't charge, and I had to get out the dentist gear and start pulling out the little lint balls or cat hair from inside the thing, or I brought it to an Apple store and they had to do it for me. My parents have had this problem where they had to have lint pulled out of their thing, pulled out of their lightning connector by like an Apple store person, right? Does USB-C suffer from that as much as lightning? I have no idea, but I, that is another potential tech problem, not just for Apple, for warranty repairs, but people don't want their crap to break and have to bring it to the store either, especially it's so hard to get an appointment and it's annoying to be in there and everything. I don't know. I just, I feel like if if I were to wager a guess... I think it's what we what our initial interpretation was, which is it's going to the 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 cable included in the box may be lightning to USB C. That falls down though because of what Marco was describing about how the entirety of power charging in the world is all done via USB A. I think Apple. This is one of the the old school things where I would say, would Apple do this? Hundred percent. I totally believe Apple would would go lightning to USB C. Despite everything we just said, and we all agree on that, you that USB A is more common. Why would Apple do it? Because they'd be like, "This is our connector for our stuff, and our power bricks, and our computers." And by the way, we sell the other one for a reasonable price, so buy more peripherals from us, and you know, buy more adapters, and it's fine. I hundred percent believe Apple would do that. It's just hard to sell tell from this rumor. And speaking of hardware virus. I hope this rumor is a different kind of hardware virus and that even if, if Apple is either doing the boring thing or not doing anything and they just come with plain old USB-A to lightning connectors like every other thing, the fact that this story is out there and that um, you know every tech site and the Wall Street Journal and podcasts and everybody are talking about it 
and it seems to me collectively slowly convincing ourselves that this would be a good idea it would be great if somewhere in apple they're like no wall street journal that's not what you were supposed to be leaking at all it's just that we were going to change the other end of the kit yeah. and then come the time when when the new iphone is released we're all disappointed that it doesn't have USB-C. apple would be like that would get be away funny. from us so it's like a hardware mind virus <laughs> wow yeah i don't know i don't know what to make of it like it wouldn't entirely surprise me if the phone itself had a USB-C port on it but i just i keep coming back to it and i can't get past what is it really doing for the device like what what problem is it solving for the device i'm not saying there isn't one it's making a lot of things more convenient and in in the very very likely future that we're going to have because you know android is you know doing this so we're going to have all these USB-C cables out there in the world it's going to be very, very convenient if we also if we not only can just have one cable, but then you can plug in your iPhone to any of these things anywhere. That's going to be incredibly convenient. It's also going to be convenient for just people who travel with an iPhone and a laptop. And then you can have one charger that you kind of switch between them if, as needed. Or you can swap cables between them if, if, one, if you forget one of the cables or one of them goes bad. Or you only have one long cable and one short cable and you need to flip where they are for a certain arrangement that you have when you're traveling. Or so, like There's all sorts of like everyday practical advantages that this could bring in a world where everything else is USB-C. And I think it's very clear we are heading towards that world. Like it, the, the world where everything else is USB-C, that's happening. Apple is leading the charge with the max like so that's obviously happening um it's here like if you've bought a new macbook pro in the last five months uh you already are in this world at least partially and as they update the imax hopefully in a few weeks and everything else like you know over the next couple of years like if you buy a new mac it is almost certainly going to be all USB-C. so again like this world is here this is happening. This is already a thing. There's all sorts of great accessories for USB-C now. Like, think of all the all the like standard. You know, like just how like iOS has had uh, support for standard USB devices, like like standard HID things, standard sound devices, things like that without any drivers or anything for a long time now. But in order to plug them in, you had to get one of those like Lightning to USB camera connection kit adapters, and this would actually allow the phone to have like a standard port that is always there that can support a whole bunch of new devices that that can make your phone more useful in certain like specialized scenarios. So there's like there's the everyday practicality of all these different charge cables that are going to be everywhere. There's carrying it with you in a bag full of a, a USB-C laptop with all the USB-C cables you're going to have for that, not having to have two separate sets of cables with different sets of connectors and everything. It's just tons of everyday practicality plus all this edge case power that you could have by having this device be a member of the USB-C ecosystem, a first-class member, have it be a USB-C host device that can have other USB-C things plugged into it and have that just work in addition to being charged and everything. And eventually have Thunderbolt 3 or Thunderbolt 7 on your phones, right? Well, Same connector. Maybe. I mean, they probably they wouldn't probably even need that because USB 3 is already really fast for most things a phone would be transferring over an external well, bus. You, you would do it for a video out on, on the 27-inch the iPad Pro so you could have two of them next to each other. <laughs> that actually is pretty cool. But yeah. Yeah, and, and again, and then also think of the iPad where like if they want to bring the iPad forward in a, in a big way, one of the ways to do that would be to give it a USB port of some of some kind. And of course, these days, that would be a USB-C port. And if you have that, why would you keep Lightning there? And if you're getting rid of Lightning there, might as well also get rid of Lightning on the phone and also be a lot more comfortable with the European Union in the process. Uh, so there's lots of reasons to do it. And I mean, and Casey, so, you know, as as I think the one of us who's, who's most uh, cool on this idea, would you at least agree that if they were starting clean today with no with no legacy baggage, would USB-C be the right choice? Oh, oh, without question. And 
you know, sitting here thinking about it, um, I, I I feel like the only way this makes that that this feels better to me is if inductive charging really is a thing, right? Because although I plug in phones constantly because I I'm a developer, I like Erin for example. She, the only time she ever plugs her phone into anything, it's just the wall to charge it, and. Yeah, it would be kind of a pain in the butt if she had to bring her like charging pad everywhere she goes in order to charge her phone. But that makes it sting a little bit less, I feel like. I don't know why. Maybe now that I'm saying that out loud, it seems bananas to me because it's really no different. Because, you know, if it's USB-C, then then we would have to bring that specific USB-C cable because it would be the only one in the house. But if it's an inductive charging pad, suddenly that's better because I don't know why. But it just feels better to me, even though I, I admit that that makes no sense. So maybe maybe that's the fix is inductive charging is a thing. Since it's wireless and Apple hates wires and, yeah. you know, USB-C for like, you know, Apple TV style if you need it. I don't know. I, I, th- I think inductive charging is is probably a separate thing. Like it's the kind of thing where like if it ever makes sense to do it in an iPhone, which so far it seems like the, the uses that have been out there in the world so far have not been very compelling uh, for lots of different reasons. Some of which seem insurmountable, but we'll see if that ever changes. <laughs> but uh, things like the horrible efficiency of it <laughs> and the incredible uh, close proximity you need to have to the uh, charging device. But anyway, or the, the pad or whatever it is. Uh, but I see this as separate things. You know, like, you know, it, it's it's very hard. And even like Apple has said this on multiple occasions. I, I think Phil has made a few comments to this degree. You know, you have a wire. You can plug things into charge. It's no big deal. Like wireless charging sounds great if you think about like, oh, I'd love I could just walk around everywhere, my whole house, my whole work, my, the whole world outside maybe, and my phone just always charged from the air. But that probably isn't what it would be. It would probably be like you just have these wireless charging pads like on your desk and stuff. But like that isn't that much better than a cable. Oh, it's a lot. it's it's pretty better than a cable, I think. I think if you could just have think of the area in everybody's house where they dump all their devices to charge and the rat's nest of wires uh, that they have there. If there was just a nice pad and they could just pile things on top of it, and that's assuming they just go with like inductive charging with this type of thing. If they go with uh, the what was that company called? The wasn't it Steve Perlman, the on live guy? I forget. Anyway, uh, the the beam forming yeah, Wi Fi yeah. kind of tech that could be used to deliver power. Piece something that's right? the thing that you're talking about like i'm wandering around my house when my thing is charging and that is way 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 slower but even if it's just like within the same room like imagine putting your phone on your nightstand to charge at night but not plugging it in and not having to put it on a pad and not having your brain slowly microwaved by the thing that's in your room <laughs> yeah that's, that's a little concerning to be honest and then my phone just can scratch up by the by my nightstand. Like I have a little dock. It's great. See, I, I think I think the real reason why <laughs> the Apple dock industry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. I, I think the real reason why Apple is going to switch to USB C on the phone is that I just got these awesome studio neat docks for everything. Mm-hmm. And they're yep. really nice. So now I whenever I buy new docks, last time when they changed to lightning was right after I bought the elevation dock. Mm-hmm. And so now that I bought new docks, finally, I finally replaced my elevation docks after five years or however long it's been. Uh, now Apple is going to change away from Lightning and make me buy all new docs. Well, the good news for the uh, Kickstarter for uh, iOS device docs made of like, you know, fancy burled walnut and all sorts of other things like that. The good news is that once wireless charging is here, you can still sell those same docs. It's even easier because they don't have to even charge. It's just basically like a little stand for your phone, like a little home <laughs> for it. It just, it props it up and makes it look cute. Because in the end... 
I mean, I know you think they're like, oh, it's a charging dock. It's very important that it charge. In the end, it's a little stand for your phone. It's a nice stand for my phone. I know. I'm just saying, it's like, that industry nice will not be decimated by wireless charging. In fact, that industry will be freed from having to worry about the silly electronics, and they can concentrate where they really care about, which is fine materials and craftsmanship and so on and so forth. And you can use all the money you're saving by not buying two sets of cables for everything and just dump it all into docks. That's right. You have one made from, uh, what is your little heavy cylinder made out of? Tungsten? Tungsten. Yeah. Thanks to our three sponsors this week, Casper, Betterment, and Squarespace. And we will see you next week. Now the show is over. They didn't even mean to begin. Because it was accidental. Oh, it was accidental. John didn't do any research. Marco and Casey wouldn't let him. Because it was accidental. Oh, it was accidental. And you can find the show notes at atp.fm And if you're into Twitter, you can follow them At C-A-S-E-Y-L-I-S-S So that's Casey Liss, M-A-R-C-O-A-R-M-E-N-T Marco Arment, S-I-R-A-C USA Syracuse, it's accidental going on my mouse every great once in a while this happens my uh, beloved magic mouse is like lagging to hell and it just just wants to be harpooned yep it happens to me too you see me tweeting about that a few days ago oh yeah you're right i, I never th- i don't think i ever i think i told you it never happens to me in fact but i lied i'm a darn dirty liar that that just happened to me and it's not the first time it's happened yeah it appears to happen to everybody who has any Apple Bluetooth pointing device. It happens to the trackpads and the mice. It happens to the old mice that use uh, AA batteries and the new one that have the rechargeable harpoon thing. Uh, it happens whether you're at a high battery level or a low battery level. Um, it, it, there seems to be very little correlation to any of these factors. It just seems to happen to all of Apple's Bluetooth devices. Uh, so it's probably an issue with either all Bluetooth devices or at least Apple's Bluetooth devices. <laughs> Doesn't happen to my wired keyboard or my wired Logitech mouse from 1992. Oh, you're so old. Never doesn't stutter. Doesn't need to be recharged. Now, I, I the the Mac Pro that you have, I'm pretty sure Bluetooth was optional. Do you have Bluetooth on that? I don't know. Let's go find out. Uh, <laughs> I think Bluetooth. it was like a, I think it was like a sixty dollar <laughs> option. Turn Bluetooth on. There is a button that says that. I think I can click it. It is currently off. So I'm going to assume I have it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That probably means you have it. I did not get the Wi-Fi option on this, by the way. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. So my Mac does not have Wi-Fi. Maybe on the... I wonder if if, if the 2006 Mac Pro, maybe Bluetooth was optional on that one. And maybe it was only Wi-Fi on yours. It might have been optional on mine. I might have I might have checked the Bluetooth boxes. And I'm like, maybe I'll get Bluetooth peripherals. Here I am eight years later. Still no Bluetooth peripherals. Uh, what else is there to talk about? You can talk more about the Mac Pro if you want. <laughs> Uh, hard pass and i gotta go i mean tim cook said nothing again yeah that's why that's why it's not you notice it's not even on the topic list (laughs) because there's nothing to discuss because there was nothing said well i i'll give my two cents that i already gave in slack to to put this one to bed it's uh he was asked in the shareholders meeting about like you know pro hardware and all the stuff we always whine about 
and he gave the same kind of non-committal like oh you know we're we have things coming for pros and we we do care about them despite all our actions to the contrary but he didn't say yeah i'm being sarcastic now but anyway he gave the same kind of non-answer he did last time that we talked about that led us to believe that an imac pro is coming or something and there was some discussion about like all right it, what's so bad about this uh, like in the hierarchy of things that tim cook could have said or done in, re- in relation to that where does this fall and i feel like saying nothing would have still been worse it's i i feel like at this point it, when there's a problem that a bunch of people see like some people are cranky about pro mac hardware right saying nothing is the worst choice because that's just like it just makes people angry it's like you're ignoring them or you're burying the head in the sand people want some kind of answer saying something boring and non-committal and vague that's basically like apple saying we think we have something for you is better than nothing because at the very least it says all right well this whether apple whether it's true or not apple thinks they have something that we're going to like in the future and you know that's kind of vague but like it strings us along and then i feel like the best thing they could have done is give a strong definitive answer that acknowledges the acknowledges the issue and then comes to a conclusion and so that could be we hear your concerns but we've decided we don't want to be in the pro hardware business anymore perfectly valid it puts an end to all of our whining right because like well what's done is done you know we can yell at them about it but at least we have a definitive answer or they could say we've heard your concerns we realize we dropped the ball but we are going to rededicate ourselves to pro hardware they didn't say that either so we get the we get the middle one the vague answer that tells us nothing that is still better than nothing but is still much worse than apple definitively coming down in one direction or another they don't have to announce new products they don't have to promise anything but they could have just said you know they have to acknowledge the situation say we realize we've dropped the ball and either but we've decided to get out of this market or we are going to rededicate ourselves and they didn't do either one of those things so it's business as usual i think you and i just have different definitions of of what nothing means you think he didn't say nothing i think he did say nothing (laughs) but (laughs) no because he i by not by not saying like we're sorry you feel like you remember the final cut pro 10 thing what they basically said with that was like, we're sorry you feel this way, but Final Cut Pro 10 is the future. Get used to it, right? So instead of saying, we're sorry you're sad about the pro hardware, but we're not doing that anymore. Get used to it. Like, like what, they, what he was trying to say, what he tries to say every time in this vague thing is like, I know you're sad now, and I will not acknowledge that your sadness is founded in anything. I know you're sad now, but we have some really great stuff coming in the future. Uh, and he always says that. for Tim. It's a Tim Cook-ism to say, boy we have a great roadmap we have great things coming um and he says it frequently in earnings calls for years and years he's been saying in earnings calls and if you look back on those earnings calls and you try to say three years ago when he said that on the earnings call what was he talking about what product was he so he's so jazzed he's like we have some great things coming we have an amazing product line i think you're going to be super duper impressed and we get all excited and then if you go forward three years you're like when he said that what was he even talking about like <laughs> was he talking about the watch or was that was that like the new retina ipad mini you can't even tell what he was talking about even after the fact but he always says like hang in there guys just because you don't know that we're going to do a thing Trust me, in the future, we're going to do a thing and you're going to like it. And I think that is materially different than literally saying nothing, like, you know, not answering the question. And it is also different than than actually definitively saying they are or aren't going to going to rededicate themselves to the pro market. But see, it's because you can't associate what he says with anything even after the fact. It basically means nothing because it can you can apply 
his words to whatever you want them to be and he knows that like it that it's it's a non-committal statement so if he says we have great things down the pipe and it isn't at all what you want then by the time but then like you know when later comes and the great things they release aren't what you want what it doesn't invalidate what he said it just then then there's just a new excuse of well they they made something new it just wasn't for you you know that's the- but, yeah right but what if they never made another thing that they even pretended was for pro people they never made an iMac Pro like because then we could call him on it but by him saying this it's it's clear that Apple thinks they have something that pro people will like they may be wrong no They've it's been not wrong in the past but at the very least I think what this says is. It's them saying, we are going to release a new Mac that we think will appeal to pros. And all of us can say cynically, well, you're probably wrong. It probably won't appeal to pros because your your track record here is crap. But at least you think you have something that will appeal to pros, which is more substantive than just saying vague, we have something coming. I mean, it'll eventually build up to the point like it did right before the trash can, where at that point they were like, stay tuned for exciting new pro hardware which we all thought was going to be a new mac pro and totally was a new mac pro and so we'll see if that it builds to that but i feel like what tim cook is is saying on on this hardware front here is like we're going to introduce a product that we think people who like the old mac pro will like and we probably won't because it'll be an imac pro but whatever that's what i think is coming that is even what he said it like what he said was like you know things for like pro markets and especially creative pros you know what apple pitches for creative pros the ipad pro and the macbook pro Everything Tim Cook said could be just in reference to the updated iMacs and iPad Pros they're going to launch in two weeks or whatever it is. Like, that, like that's the thing. Like, it doesn't mean anything. I don't. I don't buy that. All right. So if here, that's what I said. Like, if if in a year there has been no motion on anything that Apple is even pitching as a Mac made for pros, I think people will be angry and they'll come back at Tim Cook and say, you didn't deliver on those things. As opposed to his other, we have this great roadmaps. The problem is that we could say, well, they did release a lot of cool stuff and any of that stuff could have applied. We just can't tell what the hell he was talking about. But it's not as if they didn't deliver because every year Apple releases great new stuff somewhere. It's just never desktop Macs, right? Um, so I I think that if, if no, if it really is just like the new iPads, people will be like, well, that's not what we thought you were talking about at all. And they'll be pissed about it and they'll come back even angrier with the same question. Whereas... If Apple releases an iMac Pro, people are like, oh, all right, well, I guess this is what he was talking about, but surprise, we're not happy because we wanted a better Mac Pro. My my concern with with Cook's remarks in this area and and the resulting products that come out of Apple is that, especially because he, he specifically called out, he said he said some of the lines of like you know prosers, especially creative pros, and they keep referring to oh creative pros, creative pros. It seems like Apple's image of what a creative pro is is somebody drawing with the pencil on an ipad and that's one type of creative pro but that's a very very small percentage of them and that's also and like creative pros aren't all pros and apple used to really own the market for so many kinds of pros they really owned those markets so well for such a long time and it seems like all the market share that they've like shaved off in recent years by just neglect or cutting off support or cutting off product lines or features or whatever else are almost all like the pro users that had you know more complex or higher end needs than somebody drawing on an iPad. And it doesn't seem like it, it seems like Tim Cook's Apple just either doesn't care about the other kinds of pro work and needs that are out there 
or they fundamentally don't understand it, both of which are scary possibilities to me. But I think it's very clear that at least one of those is true. Did you see that MKBHD video where he was uh, complaining about his Mac Pro? Uh, like he was no. yeah, I did. He was basically saying like he's he's got like the old twelve core trash can Mac Pro, the, the old slash current current. Uh, yes, the one that you can <laughs> still buy for Pro. like eight thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah. And he he uses Final Cut Pro to edit his videos. And what he was basically saying is like people are like, why are you even using that crappy old Mac? Why don't you get a, like a, a fancy PC? And he was like, well, I like Final Cut for video editing. I'm sure it's what he's used to. And he's like, I have plugins for Final Cut that aren't available elsewhere, and so on and so forth. Um, I think that's a good canary. The the whole Final Cut Pro thing. So like Aperture is gone, right? Final Cut Pro is kind of the last bastion of pro-ness, like the video market, right? And it is currently being woefully underserved by their the current trash can and anything else. I feel like, I mean, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people are editing entire movies on their MacBook Ones, and I'm just silly for thinking this. But whatever, MKBHD, who does video for a living, wants his Mac Pro. Maybe it's just because he's like a, a computer gearhead like we are. Um, no, no, he actually needs it. Yeah, but and he, and he says that even despite that 12 core being old and, and creaky, that he does still get better performance than he would with Adobe Premiere, which is not an apples to apples comparison, obviously, than he does on Adobe, Adobe Premiere on, on a fancy PC. Uh, but, you know, bottom line is he just likes Final Cut, right? If they drop Final Cut, if they stop making it in the same way they stop making Aperture, that will be an extremely strong signal. Because you're right, Marco, like, what's left? Is it just people making artisanal sketches on virtual napkins is that it is that the only creative pro because even like real creative pros need to use freaking adobe illustrator like let's get yeah. real here photoshop <laughs> and illustrator is what they need to use to do their jobs and you know maybe like a page layout type of thing creative professionals like when they say that i would think of things like aperture oops that's not there anymore or lightroom because that's a mac application too right uh, or things like final cut and premiere and so many markets, like, we, again, we complain about it, so we get a lot of emails. This is self-selecting. People saying, I work in this industry, and I've watched my entire industry dump Macs as soon as they can and switch all to PCs because they realize Apple doesn't care about them. Apple makes Final Cut. It's their own program. Presumably, there is a team working on it, right? And they put a lot of effort into the Final Cut Pro 10 being a big leap over the other one and endured all of the problems with that program. And, you know, like, like they, they, as a company, seem dedicated to resourcing and believing in that product in the same way they used to for Aperture, I suppose. If they drop that, then it will really be like, all right, Tim, stop talking about professionals of any kind, creative or otherwise, because what the hell? By the way, on this uh, MKBHD video, you know what he says right before new Mac Pro? Oh, he's talking about USB-C, yeah. Yep. Well, it's in the news. It's, it's in the news. He's reading the same stories we are. Yep, he wants USB-C everywhere. He's so much cooler than us. <laughs> That's a pretty low bar. I don't know. He's pretty nerdy. Uh, you think he's cooler because he's young and handsome, but he's pretty nerdy. No, I, I think I'm pretty sure he's cooler than us. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's considerably all right, cooler. All right. So it's a, it's a it's a low bar. Is he cooler than Casey? Let's see. Well, I don't know. That's also a low bar. That's very that's very flattering and complimentary of you. So but... I'm trying to try to put the, the 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 coolest among us to try to see if we can we can reach up to that lever. I mean, the coolest among us is definitely Casey and. Sorry, Casey. I think he's cooler than you. So I think, therefore, oh, yeah. it, that solves that solves the question right there. Yeah, right? I guess. I guess you're right. Maybe if we can, if we combine all three of our coolnesses, then I, maybe we can. Maybe maybe all of us combined, like Voltron. It, it would still be. I think it would still be a fight. Anyway, coolness <laughs> counts for nothing in this industry. <laughs> Witness: Bill Gates, Steve Wozniak, Andy Hertzfeld, Bill Atkinson. Not cool people. They're cool in their own way. 
Bill Gates is a cool in no ways, but <laughs> <laughs> he, is, he is the he is the antimatter of cool. Curing malaria. Not he's not curing it, but you know what I mean. 